Thank you for joining us. You're listening to the Write Project podcast and radio program. This is a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This program is produced and recorded at CHMR FM 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador and is aired on other great stations in the province and elsewhere in the country. It can also be heard online at www.chmr.ca. I'm your host, Matthew LeDrew, author of the Coral Beach Case Files series and founder at Engine Book. Let's see what we have today. Thank you once again, Kelly Power, for coming on the Write Project podcast. How are you today? I am well, thank you, and super happy to be here, as I was going to say, as always, because I feel like I'm... I'm becoming a fixture. Uh, you may be, you may be. For those who don't know, uh, Kelly Power is the current president of the Writers Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador, or WANL. Uh, and she is also a writer, of course. Uh, she has written several short stories before. To my knowledge, she does not have a novel on the shelves yet, or a collection to herself yet. Uh, she has been featured in Chillers from the Rock. Uh, she has been featured in Kitsora, the Artobiography, and in the Bridget Canning edited What's Written in the Ladies. Do I have your that correct? You do indeed. Excellent, excellent. I didn't even have to write it down. I just, I just know your bio by now. <laughs> and sadly, it has changed very little in the last 12 months from a writing perspective. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's, oh dear. that's not true, actually. Uh, I wanted to have you on to discuss your uh, next published project. It's not going to be out until late 2020, like around Halloween, appropriately. But I, I think we can announce that you are, were, you'll be the first author announced to be in the Terra Nova co- collection coming out from Engine Books under the helm of, uh, of Mike Hickey. Yay! Yes, it's going to be wonderful. So it's a collection of, uh, I want to say, 11 uh, horror short stories. We It wasn't an open call of submissions. We curated these short stories from like the best um, horror and, and chiller fiction authors in the province. You're the first one that we're announcing, and uh, and you're amazing, but it, it goes up from here. Um, <laughs> uh, that's not true. You're, but um, I think it almost certainly is true. Yes. No, no, definitely not. Maybe more experience. Maybe the the rest of them have more more under their belt. But uh, your your stuff in Chillers has been amazing. Uh, it's it's the stories that we consistently get comments back from that are like, wow, this is like chills on my spine kind of thing. That's um, crazy, and they're so much fun to write. Yeah, so tell me about your story in Terra Nova. What's it about? What's it called? What gave you the idea for it? All that kind of fun stuff. So it's called Foreshadows, and the story comes out as a set of um, unedited interview transcripts that have been done with three different characters in the story. And it's based around Bell Island has experienced some kind of horrible catastrophe. You don't know what that is at the start of the story. But in advance of this happening, there were a high concentration of paranormal events that had happened to different people at different times. And the way it's positioned is a group has gone in to interview these people as a kind of research exercise around paranormal activity happening in event in, in advance of big catastrophic events and uh, one of the examples that the sort of narrator i suppose is using is the mothman 
appearances in the States in the, the late 60s, I think, or 70s, where this particular creature was appearing to people, and within short order, the a bridge right in the area where it had been appearing uh, had a, a fatal, catastrophic failure. Yes, yes, Richard Gere was on that bridge, yes. Uh, yes, yes, he was on that bridge, yeah. I, I will not watch that movie. Uh, the irony being, I, I like reading certain horror things, and I have a lot of fun writing them, but I do not watch any horror movies. I, I, I can't. That that movie's not scary. You, you, you could watch that one. See, here's the thing about that. So I have this conversation with my brother, who is an avid consumer of horror movies, and we've had conversations about certain ones that I've seen over the years, and now he has a great meter for, like, I have watched this thing, but you can't watch it because you really won't like it. So he's told me that I will not like the Mothman Prophecies. I believe him. Okay. All right. Uh, what I find really funny is we, we have a mutual friend who is also like that, Amanda Labonte. She will not. And also Matthew Daniels actually will not watch horror movies, but that's different because he's my friend and I like to torture him. So me and uh, his partner make him watch horror movies and then he'll have nightmares for weeks uh which is is wonderful um like and, and we won't tell him it's a horror movie we'll be like hey it's the science fiction film and then it's the shining or something uh but amanda labonte will not watch horror films either uh and i was talking to her once about my favorite movie growing up which was the nightmare before christmas and she said I won't watch that. I don't watch horror films. <laughs> and I might have paused a good, like, five minutes. I might have just sat there with my mouth agape and been like, I'm sorry, what did you just say to me? Like, <laughs> That is a limited threshold y of yes. horror. Yes, yes, yes. I wonder would she watch Monster Squad. Do you remember that movie? I do. I wonder if she'd watch Monsters, Inc., honestly. <laughs> It's a horror movie. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> which is uh, so funny because she helped. Uh, she she beta read one of my one of my scarier things, and I'm like, how'd you had how'd you like? She was like, with the lights on, Matt, with the lights on. <laughs> she very kindly beta read this story for me as well. We did a a story exchange, and uh, th that was you know I was saying to you, I'm, I'm not sure if it's scary enough. I didn't get, like, the, the feedback from her, like, I just couldn't finish reading this because it was so horror-filled. Horror so I'm like, maybe it's just not scary enough then. I'm going mm. to have to up the ante a little bit. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, so back to your story. So these Mothman-like things are happening. They, they have happened, and this group of people has gone back in to interview individuals. So it's three individuals they've interviewed who have had very different... Um, experiences um some ranging from one one being relatively mild to uh to another being quite horrible and it's you know i tried to play with different voice um to draw the characters personalities out through the, the transcripts and um yeah so and, and there's always something about hearing horror in the first person uh, thriller, suspense, horror, that first person thing, to me anyway, always feels very real. I, yeah, it's almost like a, um, like someone's telling you the story of something that happened to them. Exactly. And this, 
literally became that. And that wasn't how it started. In the beginning, going right back to the beginning, I was thinking about telling a story about the Hag of Belle Island, which is a, a urban tale on the island there about a, a, a woman in white or a banshee that exists in a place called Dobbins Garden. And I'd read about it, and I thought that'd be a neat thing to do a story about. And there's this legend that it's actually somehow the ghost of a, a woman who stumbled across a, a landed group of Nazis during the Second World War over in Dobbins Garden, and they killed her, and that's her ghost. Like that's, that's a bit of lore that's around it. Interesting. Yeah, so it has this whole thing. So I, was, I started to write about that. But the thing about Belle Island, I found, and I've, I've been to Belle Island several times, and a lot of people would generally know the history of the mines over there for iron ore and that kind of thing. The more I was reading about it, the more it was like, God, you could really create some freaky, spooky stuff around so many of the features of that island and its history. So it became one person kind of giving this account of having had several experiences. And I was like, I don't like that. I don't quite like how that is. And speaking of our our colleague, Ms. Labonte, uh, we were chatting about it one day, and I was kind of like trying to crack that nut. And she said, well, what about if you had different people having the different experiences? And... I was like, yes. And then I thought, do you know what? I think World War Z is kind of written like that. It and is. I'm going di- I'm going to digress here for a second because we were you and I have previously talked about how uh, the movie Contagion has become very popular when certain things are happening in society. And I picked up World War Z about um, 2 months ago. I had it on my shelf forever. And I picked it up to read it for this, like just to thumb through it a little bit to get an idea of structure and voice and that kind of thing, point of view. And oh my God, I couldn't put it down. It, it is it is well crafted. There is there is a reason that that uh, that 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 one did so well. Yeah, Max Brooks, what a job he did with that. And just for anybody who's listening, who's only ever seen the movie, read the book too because they're they're so completely different. You'll never feel like you're seeing or reading the same thing and and i thought both were done very well but yeah the book was so engaging so i feel like the movie was trying and sadly failed to start a it was supposed to be a series of movies i feel like they never announced that but i feel like it because it like you said the book takes it follows multiple perspectives much like your story the movie followed one so i'm wondering if at some point in production it was floated that maybe there could be a series that follows the same timeline and you're seeing the epidemic from multiple events but it never happened sadly i mean you could certainly do it there's so many interesting perspectives put forward in that book from the everyday person to a uh, you know Someone in the military, low down, then someone in the military, high up, political figures, uh, scientists, doctors, just across the board. You had so many different facets uh, of of the way that you would deal with. And I mean, the zombie piece of it, yes, it's zombies, but that's really secondary. It could be any kind of pandemic that's happening. The best genre fiction that is the case, in my opinion. Like, to me, genre fiction does best when it is the setting. For sure. And here's an interesting thing about that, and I've read this long before I read the book, and I I wish I could remember who the article was about, because it was a person talking about, like someone who was like a director or a screenwriter or something, and they were having a conversation with Max Brooks about this book, and that person said to him, like, that book is about, like, death from disease generally, and maybe talking about cancer. And Max Brooke was like, 
Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because when he was writing it, he was either just coming out from or in the midst of dealing with his mom dying from cancer. Interesting. And I've never read anything by him speaking to that point, which I'd be very interesting to find. But if you think about the sort of the consumption of something by a foreign body, you know, that theme, to your point, even to step it back in the broader generalization, of that's what a lot of those types of films and books are, are about. It's that and and the matrix just says it like humanity is a virus on the planet yep. it's like the zombies are a virus on the planet the you know as a you kind of build the layers out so that you... was a total digression but every ever since i've read that book i'm asking asking people have you read it you should read it i've lent it to my dad like have you read it yet yeah. you would really enjoy if you haven't watched it yet on netflix on uh, netflix a very similar theme uh, came out last year the the adaptation of annihilation Really good. If you're if you're stuck at home right now and and with your with your husband and you need something to watch, that is highbrow literary science fiction that deals with that same idea. Like, it very much asks the question: like, 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 at what point does invading cells become their own life form? Kind of thing. It it poses that directly. Like, it's it's. It's it's creepy. Um, it's it's not it's not not creepy, but it's because it poses some really interesting questions. I thought I've watched it and I thought it was great. I haven't read the book, but I thought the movie was very well done. Yeah, um, and yes, you're right. That creeping sensation of dread that under underpins it all. But yes, it's asking some really interesting philosophical questions. It led me down this crazy rabbit hole. This is way off topic from talking about your story and Terra Nova. But it's fine. It led me down this rabbit hole um, from some of the inspirations of the story. And it turns out there is a one, one, every cancer is different. Uh, and I didn't really know that. But like, uh, there was one specific person with one specific cancer, uh, I believe in the 50s. Um, and the, the specific mutation of her cancer cells were that these cells couldn't die. It's never happened since. Like, the, these cells are immortal, Yes, I know who you're talking about. She's an African-American lady, right? Yes, and and so she's sadly long past. But there are technically more of her cells alive today than there have ever, than there ever were. Yeah. Because those cells continue to divide and be put in labs and studied and... and Obviously, because what else are you going to do with them? They are literally immortal. No amount of radiation seems to be able to kill them. S which is just generally creepy, because, like, the idea that this thing that killed me, they're, they're, these rebellious cells, there's now more alive of them today. Like, it, it essentially overtook me in a way. That is genuinely disturbing. Oh, I mean, that the article I read on that made it into my story ideas Evernote folder. Like, that is fascinating. And the interesting thing about the article I read was that it spurred then this idea of, yes, they've kept her cells going all of this time, but without any consent. Yes. And her family has been pushing back against that. That was kind of, that was more of the theme of the story, The the, the this idea of, where do your personal rights 
begin and end when it comes to to this and the family pursuing this sort of, particularly because as an African American woman in that era, sure, you know she was being, um, they're they're saying you know she's taken advantage of, not told what was happening, and on and on it goes. But Tuskegee they, all, is not all of this, history. Yeah. All of it together from what it was to how society kind of that the scientific community took it and has continued to do things. I find it, yeah, blows my mind. Okay, okay. So we just had a tangent conversation about science that started uh, talking about your short story in the upcoming Terra Nova collection. Uh, you have name-dropped that you've read uh, Max Brooks's uh, World War Z and that you've watched uh, Annihilation, a very heady genre film. Uh, you've been published in Schiller's from the Rock by Engine Books and Kitsora, the autobiography. Uh, and you've got a a story coming up in the, in this horror collection in Terra Nova. I have to ask, Kelly Power, are you one of those, like, dirty genre writers? <laughs> I certainly love writing it and reading it. Yeah. But I've found, I'm, I'm a person who's not yet subscribed or, you know, taken up the idea that I need to decide what kind of, what the trajectory of my writing career should be. I agree. Because I have interest in writing many different things from, like, the, the young adult novel manuscript I have is not, well, it's, it's in the YA genre, obviously, but it's not it's not horror, suspense, romance, anything like that. I mean, I guess you've got literary YA, I don't know if that's a thing. It is. Um, it would be more in that kind of camp. But at the same time, I'm tinkering with a variety of YA horror suspense short stories for possibly a collection of that um yeah it's uh i don't i am and i'm not i take it i will i will own it proudly my my only hesitation is in that i know there's also other things that i want to write and i i hope that you know through some means i could kind of find a way to be exercising the desire to just write about a variety of things. I I think that that is becoming more of a thing. I like that not picking that path uh like like that 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 they're not self-exclusionary or or what's the, they're not mutually exclusive. Um mm. I I like that that's becoming more of a thing and I think if anyone can make that uh, a popular thing that's going to be you because you're a, a very gifted author, at least locally. Like you're, you're a, like you can make that a thing locally. You're a very, very gifted author, and I, I think whenever you have something that's ready, any publisher is going to be frothing at the mouth to try and uh, and scoop you up. So I go on, imagine. Go on with you. What? Go on with you. So yeah, so that's. So that's that's a wonderful answer, honestly. Like, like I, I've never understood the division, the wall, for lack of a... This should resonate with the community, but, like, we're all very against walls. Uh, in our interview last week, you were talking about we were both alive when the Berlin Wall happened. Right now, there is a lot of talk down south about putting up walls and, and mm. stuff like that. As a general community, it, I mean, I don't like to speak for the community as a whole or anything like that, because everyone's different politically, but as a rule, like, you know, artists and writers tend to, like, how many songs are, are there about tear down the wall and stuff like that? Like, we're, we tend to be against that kind of 
thing. So it's really interesting that as a as a group we've put up this wall between lit fiction and genre when there there doesn't need to be one. For sure, and you know I I find in wearing my other hat, which is being the president of the Writers Alliance, I'm party to more people talking about that particular thing at different times, and I realized hearing different perspectives on it where i came down on it and uh you know we we have a just to to plug the writer's lines we have board i think that's very much in line with this way of thinking right now which is the i've become uninterested in any one versus the other kind of kind of discussion about it what i'm interested in is good writing yeah i don't care i don't care what it is just good uh, you know, original writing or writing that's following the, you know, the sort of style structures that it, it should within its genre or, or bucks them. And that makes it interesting, too. It's just good, creative writing. Absolutely. Uh, there was a, uh, um, it, there's this thing in fiction called Sturgeon's Law. Have you ever, have you ever heard of this? I haven't. Uh, so it's interesting because he was a, uh, he was a genre writer who uh, named Theodore Stur- uh, Sturgeon who was kind of in this gotcha interview at one point in the in the 70s and someone and the 70s was the heyday of like pulp and pulp magazines and Stephen King made his rise during that and like just just I mean as much as the 50s were like those like trash paperbacks where it's like gnomes from outer space are attacking you know what I mean like the, yes. that kind of like just churning out weird kooky genre fiction that was the day of that the 70s and 80s he was very popular at the time and someone basically had this gotcha interview question for him where they were like well 90 percent of genre fiction is utter crap to which his response was i hate to tell you this but 90 percent of all fiction is kind of crap right and and really all artistry like 10 percent of it is like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever like it's society changing 80 percent of it is just the norm and 10 percent of it is absolute dreg just horrible should never have been done but good for good on you for trying like yeah. his whole thing of like you can't hold up the best of one genre as your example and then hold down the worst of another genre against it. Like it, it doesn't work like that. No, and it seems like that, that argument might be my my uneducated opinion on it would be that that argument becomes predicated on the fact that literary writing, poetry, that kind of thing, is art, yes. and somehow genre writing is not, and therefore everything within the literary category, because it's art, can never be called bad because supposedly no art is bad and um, I, I agree to a to an extent like uh, to an that, extent, I, all I don't personally art is art. i don't personally subscribe to that philosophy but i think there is one that exists out there that somehow protects certain pieces of writing or certain pieces of art generally because they're thought of in that particular way and then if you don't fall within the protective bubble then you can be criticized in the same way that you know you can criticize an advertising campaign which is not art, I'm using air quotes as I'm saying that, or um, anything that's perceived to be more commercial seems to be fair game. It does. 
I I mean, to an extent, I've I've seen a lot of that. Like, I I get side eye whenever I call myself an indie author now. Like I didn't <laughs> used to, but I'm not allowed to say that anymore. It's because you're now outside the protective bubble of what an indie author is I, for, apparently, for ABC reasons. Yeah, apparently I've I've done well enough that now, like, I'm not allowed to be judged on the same tier, which I'm like, I kind of raise my hand, I'm like, cool, but apparently I'm not yet good enough that I can be judged on the professional tier? Where <laughs> am I? Please someone tell me where I should be. You are in the Matt LaDrew bubble. You're I, creating your own space. I, I am. It's fun. So is you. So are you, Kelly Power. The Kelly Power bubble. The, yep. uh, the bubble of incomplete manuscripts and certain enjoyable short stories. Absolutely. Many, <laughs> many, many enjoyable short stories. Uh, okay, so if you, had, you had asked me at the beginning of that what... Uh, well, I should continue this to, just to get back to the thread of the, the genesis of the story. Sure. So it became multiple perspectives. And then I got it into my head that the sequence of events, of paranormal events, well, why are they happening? And that's when I decided that there had been some catastrophe to befall this this particular place. And, and frankly, as I've been writing this, I, I could see that there's a manuscript length thing that could be done with it. because so many things ended up having to be cut in certain ways to make it obviously a short story and i'm not sure if i should say what happened but the the event that does happen you could have a very world war z set of perspectives about different people dealing with different aspects of that particular catastrophe disaster event um so yeah there feels like there's a lot more story that could be told there but hopefully it's condensed enough in this form that it it still is uh, still makes sense. Oh, I read it. It makes perfect sense. It's amazing. Oh, excellent! All right, perfect. Yeah, yeah interesting about the Bell Island Hag stuff. I I I don't know if like this is a thing where the algorithm just likes me, but or or is learning about where I'm from. But I find whenever I search something on Wikipedia, uh, whatever I'm searching for happens to have a vaguely Newfoundland connection, and I never know why. Like so. When I was very young, I was absolutely horrified by Unsolved Mysteries. I couldn't stop watching it, but it scared the bejesus out of me. (laughs) And I specifically remember one episode that was very influential on creating the monster that I would base my slasher series around. And it was a chupacabra. I couldn't remember what it was called. I, You know what I mean? Like, I had to look mm-hmm. it up. Like, what was that? So I looked up chupacabras on Wikipedia. Because I was like, let's check and see what's up with that. And there is, a, like, rumor that... And none of this is true, obviously. Because it's all fairy tales and folklore and stuff like that. I don't believe in chupacabras. But there is established lore that there are people in the chupacabra community that think that the Bell Island hag is actually a chupacabra monster that people have been mistaking for a hag because of its behaviors. Like Newfoundland shows up on the Wikipedia article for this otherwise exclusive to Mexico and southern United States phenomenon. I love it. Which is just bananagrams. I'm like, why? Why? I know, but that's fascinating. It, it is, and it's weird, but it is fascinating. Everything I search comes up with Newfoundland. I was searching The Office. You know the TV show, The Office? Yes, yep. Uh, you know the character of Holly Flax, the one that, spoilers, Michael ends up marrying? 
<laughs> yes. If you go to the Wikipedia page on that character, she was based on a waitress from Newfoundland. Wow. And the people like who were writing the office had a layover flight here, went to some bar. I've never been able to find out what one it is. I suspect it's the governor. But they said that the waitress they had was just like the female Michael Scott. And they were like, we have to write this person into the show. <laughs> and that was the genesis of that character. And I'm like, I need to know who this human is. Like, we'll never know. But I'm like, everything I search, I'm like, by the way, there's a Newfoundland connection. And I'm like, are you trolling me, Wikipedia? Like, do you know where I'm, like, reading from? Our tendrils are everywhere, Matt. Oh, they extend know. wide and far. I love it. I, I do as well. Um, it's The Bell Island tag has made it onto a Canada Post stamp. She hasn't. Yeah. You're so, lying. No, that's true. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So, yeah, the <laughs> Bell Island, man. There's some interesting stuff going on out there. There's associated fairy lore and things like that, but that's tends to be fairly typical throughout Newfoundland. Yeah. Yeah, and then they've got creepy mines that are all flooded with water that still have all the equipment and accoutrement of uh, what was in there when they flooded in the 60s. And Their they... mines are so creepy that I'm going to call them yours. <laughs> I I had wanted to do a piece on the mines for that, like the actual underwater and diving in the mines uh, for the short story. But again, I just I didn't have space to do any of uh, several things I wanted to do with it. But uh, then you've got the shipwrecks. It does sound like you've got a st uh, novel in there if you've got so much that you want to explore. That's interesting. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot. There was a lot going on with that uh, that whole business. But uh, yeah, the the shipwrecks that are there in the tickle as well. So who doesn't find a shipwreck creepy? Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once again, Kelly Power, thank you for coming on the Right Project podcast, and we all look forward to reading your short story in Terra Nova in October. Thank you very much. I always love talking about writing. It's a pleasure to be here.